0: Money of M89.3. It is now time for Culture Club. I'm Elliot Danker. Have you ever wondered what it's like to live in the fast lane? Well, our next guest is an up and coming motorsport star who's competed in international karting competitions since the age of five. What were you doing when you were five? Well, racing is something she loves, it's a part of her life, it's that feeling of victory and a passion that she's going to be talking to us about. Uh, She is with me today. Her name is Bianca Bustamante, F1 Academy driver for Prima Racing. Bianca, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited.
0: Now, I wonder how many times you've been asked this, but (laughs) if I were to ask you to describe yourself in three words, oh dear, what would those words be?
1: Oh my gosh, in three words? as a diamond.
0: There should be a song about you. (laughs) Okay, let's talk a little bit about driving and the passion behind this. Is it too much to ask you who your favorite driver is at the moment?
1: Well, honestly, I think, you know, all of them really I support, you know, all coming from different backgrounds, different journeys, you know, some came when they were very young, some, you know, late in their career. So it's really just inspiring, especially for me, who's relatively quite young, that's only coming into her, like, you know, peak of her career. So really, I look up to all of them.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, right? You tend to look up to these idols and the kind of career path that they put out but for you what got you into driving i'm guessing your father
1: yep my dad was a frustrated karting driver (laughs) he was very 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 passionate about the sport about racing but it is quite unfortunate you know in the philippines that it was so difficult to get into the sport you know to have the opportunities to actually make it as a professional Mm -hmm. so often you know people dream but it never really comes true And that's why he made it his really life goal to kind of help me reach those dreams. You know, for him to live those dreams through me, for him, was was everything. And immediately I picked it up. You know, I was very passionate about it from the minute I was born. I was like like a year old and I already had my own racing suit and my own helmet. And by the time I was three, I was already driving a go-kart. What
0: was it at age three that you knew you were gonna do this for life?
1: I think yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I pretty much just begged my parents to bring me to the racetrack every single day. My mom would tell me that I would wake up in the morning is the first thing I asked and I, I don't know, it's just like something clicks, you know. It's like it's very rare for people to find their calling so early on in life. You know, to find something that they're so passionate about. But for me to have found it at the age three you know, people often told me that no, you'll get over it once you grow up. You'll yeah. you you'll, you you know you'll ask for different things. You know, you'll ask for a car. You know, it's for you to drive to university and stuff like that. For me, it never changed. Yeah. As I grew up, just more intense my passion became. How much more risk I was willing to take, the sacrifice I was willing to take, just you know, took another step. So yeah.
0: Bianca, I want to ask a really personal question. I, I like how you describe how much you wanted to make those sacrifices. Can I ask, at what age and what was it like when you had that moment of realization? Because our parents, they silently sacrifice, right? What was that like for you when you realized that?
1: Well, you know, for me, the nature of the sport, because, you know, it's so difficult to to get into it, that it just happens once in your life, that you really have to just give it your best every single day. And for me, coming from a very you know middle-class family, I had to, like, take everything, you know, to heart. I couldn't just look at it and be like, oh, I'm going to take it as a hobby, like something to do in the weekends, yeah. you know, yeah. just for fun. Because for us, we couldn't afford it. We didn't have the luxury yeah. to, to make it as a hobby. So I had to be, you know, I had to discipline myself. I had to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, go into homeschool. I'm going to train every single day. You know, I started working out at the age of seven and I was homeschooled since grade one. And because of this, I allowed myself to have the time to manage both academics, my racing career, and as well as, you know, living being fit enough working out all at once and I think that was you know something that I made a decision I made when I was six years old mm-hmm. I think I told my parents that okay I'm willing to give it my all sacrifice my whole life into it and I know you guys are you know willing to do the same because yeah my dad moved away to America yeah. when I was very young to support the family he's an OFW um, he works three jobs just to sustain for the family to put food in the table you know, as well as, you know, give a bit of help for me to cart. And, you know, it's those silent sacrifices that made me realize that I just need to do more. Yeah. You know, I need to give more. And, yeah, that's what I did. I, I really gave up my whole childhood, my even my teenagehood, I guess, just for me to be where I am now.
0: I mean, I, I enjoy hearing how passionate you are and the sacrifices you, you're willing to make that fire inside of you. All of that's probably easier compared to the racing hiatus that you had to take. That must have been challenging. Tell us about it.
1: You know, racing as a, as a Filipino, as Southeast Asian, it was always quite tough. Um, especially during the pandemic, after you know my karting years, where I won various international championships. I was Asian karting champion. I represented the Philippines in various races across America, Australia... And, and, and now, you know, it was really the time for me to make a transition from karting to like Cars, which was extremely difficult. Everyone knows how expensive the sport is, so I think that really it just made it even more difficult. And, you know, the pandemic happened, so yeah. I couldn't race for two years. I really thought that my career was over, that it was, you know, I was going to retire and I was retired. For two years, I was stuck at home, but, you know, opportunities come, like um, silver linings come here and there, and... I met my manager, Darrell O'Young Young, and he really was the one that, you know, got me back into motorsport. He he gave me these opportunities, he led me in the right path, he put me in the right environment for me to grow in. Because I really do believe you grow in the environment you're in, and he's put me in in such a motivated, you know, he's really brought me back up, and, and yeah. Couple of years, oh, two years later, here we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, the support system is so important when it comes to these kind of things. How would you describe where you're at in your career right now? Would you say you're on a nice groove for that upward trajectory? Of course, challenges still ahead.
1: I mean, it's crazy to think that I'm really just at the beginning of my journey. Even though I've already spent a decade and a half putting my whole life into it, but we're still only at the very beginning. You know, um, being eighteen. You know, anything can happen. You know, a few years down the road, you know, my goal is to be in Formula One. Right. You know, that's what I, That's why I'm here. That's why I'm putting all the effort, all the work in to be yeah, successful, to make it to my Everest. And that is Formula One. And so being in F1 Academy, it's giving me a platform to really showcase what I can do to help me progress. You know, we're, I think um, we've made a lot of progression from last year mm-hmm. and, you know, to this year. Um, we've got a couple of wins in Monza and Valencia and really to symbolize all our hard works and yeah because of that we're now yeah doing really well and it's leading us closer to you know going up to f3 and f2 and hopefully f1
0: you know what excites me the most about being here today is that i'm speaking with a female driver because i'm an advocate for that sort of things why aren't we seeing more it's a male-dominated sport this is a good sign. But how challenging is it being in a male-dominated environment? I'm sure family members also have things to say, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I remember when I was in my family members would tell me to dream less so you'll achieve (laughs) something in life. You know, go study, go be a doctor, go be a lawyer or something. You know, the generic. And, And it's, you know, very easy to box yourself on the norm, on a standard. You know, follow what's, you know, the path that's made for you rather than making your own path. Because I think that's such an Asian mentality sometimes. That's why there's not many Asian pioneers, people that excels in different environments because because of that stigma that we have. And I got that a lot when yeah. I was younger, you know? I was like black sheep of the family, yeah, yeah, yeah. achieving something that's too high, you know? Especially being in a middle-class family. Yeah. They often told me that it's a waste of money. Yeah. And for me, it's not a waste if you're doing it with a smile, so... <laughs> And, and yeah, I think, yeah, that's one of the struggles. Even now, it's still something that kind of lingers within. I yeah. think, you know, being Southeast Asian, it was always quite difficult to get opportunities because of where I came from, how I looked like, yeah. or how I spoke. It was always something about it. And But we're seeing a lot of changes in the sport. It's yeah. becoming so much, like, it's crazy how um, inclusive the sport has become. Even not just, you know, for females, but for Asian, Saudi's Asians. You know, they're giving us more opportunities. They're doing more programs to not only highlight on European talents, but as well as Saudi's Asian talents. You yeah. know, FDA is doing a scouting camp in the APAC region to highlight more of the Asian drivers. And yeah. that's honestly amazing to see, as well as, you know, FI Women in Motorsport doing initiatives to encourage more female drivers. You know, yeah. not just drivers as well, but like mechanics, engineers, like Five to ten years ago, no female would even dare to be a, an, an engineer or a mechanic yeah, or a tire yeah. changer, you know. That's a man's job. Yeah. You don't do that. You you become a nurse or you become this, you know? And it's so easy to box yourself out from those opportunities. But honestly, I let myself just flow into wherever I want to be. Even though it was male dominated, if it's female dominated, if it's where you're happy, then should always fight for it.
0: I can't believe you're saying all this with a smile on your face. <laughs> you know, people like us, being Asian, the different skin color as well. The the meaning of breaking the cycle is slightly different. Now that you're rising in the sport, do you feel pressure to be that representation? To pressure to be that change?
1: <laughs> I, you know, one thing I've always really told myself: you know, no matter where, you know, if I wasn't even a racing driver, if I was maybe an engineer okay. or a businessman, you know, I would always tell myself, you know to be the change you want to see in the world like I often you know give myself that energy you know if I put in the work it's because I want myself to be someone that people can look up to and say that oh yeah she's fighting for something and I want to fight with that with her and you know being in motorsport just magnified that mentality that I had you know it magnified my fighting spirit you know because of this platform that I have because of these people that look up and listen to me, I'm able to do so much. And I think I'm able to inspire people and change their mentalities on things. And, you know, like with female, you know, as drivers or as mechanics, you know, there's a lot of females in in motorsport now that are female strategists. I mean, it's insane thinking about it, but it is the change. And, you know, to kind of be the front line of it all, I would say, you know, to be a driver and to be a pioneer and then something that's, I would guess, you know, revolutionaries kind of, um, there's a pressure into it for sure. I mean, I think now being in a spotlight as well, you know, and as well being 18 (laughs) is like a lot of weight and as well as, you know, being the only, well, one of the only representatives of Southeast Asia in the motorsport community, it's quite tough. It's hard to make mistakes. And sometimes I pressure myself too much that there's too many people watching. I don't want to fail them. But it's really, you know, what I fight for And I, I get used to the pressure that I'm thinking that I'm doing this not just for me but for everyone So I have to fight twice as hard Because I have to fight for them as yeah. well so yeah. so yeah, I hope to inspire the next generation
0: We've been fighting our whole lives What's a couple more years? Yeah You and I believe in something um, A lot of people criticize this But I thought it was a brilliant idea when it came out And you've got personal experience with the Halo on the car, it saved your life. Tell us a bit about that.
1: Whew, yes, it, it definitely did. Um, so, Monza, everyone knows Monza is a high-speed track. So, yeah, in the start, coming into T1, a driver misjudged her breaking point, and she flew on top of me. And honestly, to say the halo saved my life. It was, like, a few inches away from hitting my helmet. If it, and, the, and if the halo wasn't there, it would have landed on my helmet and as well as my hand. Right. So, really, you know, like, experiencing that moment like in your career sometimes you kind of get held back from it like you have this like mental like lock telling yourself that oh it might happen again maybe I shouldn't push too much maybe I shouldn't like this but honestly the minute that it happened I was just hungry for more like I mean I wasn't hungry for more crashes but I was like hungry for for, you know to fight back and I think it's always those moments that test you the most like I always say like Our race weekend is so mentally demanding because you go through the highs of highs and lowest of lows, but quite literally, like you can be leading a lap and then having to DNF because of technical problem or getting crashed out. And it's having to learn how to deal with those and kind of bounce back, bounce back mentality is just so important and yeah the halo saved my life and it really did and it's crazy now to think that how much safer motorsport has become all the initiatives that they're putting out uh, all the upgrades on the car just to make it safer for drivers it's it's incredible i mean thinking back like two decades ago when or three decades ago when you know getting in the car was nearly suicide because of how unsafe it was i mean people didn't even know about fireproof or the helmets were all open they didn't have hands and so it's crazy now to be to, like, to kind of like be the front line of, of all the safety steps F1 has taken or motorsport has taken.
0: Just a final question, Bianca. You talked about that moment making you hungry for more F1 action in a positive way. Uh, what about when you won your first F1 Academy race? What kind of hunger did that build?
1: <laughs> oh, man. I think I was hungry for more, but I was just more relieved. Like, right. I was relieved. I was like, <laughs> whew. Like all the hard work that led up to this, you know, the days, the hours, the seconds, even the led up to that moment, you know, crossing the line first. It's always such a good feeling because, you know, it's one thing is self-fulfillment. Second is the fulfillment you get from, you know, raising your flag. But the other is just, you know, seeing other people happy. You know, mm. I made so many people happy because paid I won. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, it was really paid off. Like, I saw people cry, cheer, smile, shout that I won. And to just be able to, like, to give that much emotion to people yeah. s- by doing one single thing. I literally, you know, just want to race. Like, yeah. how, like, I just want to race. It shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it is to so many people because... It wasn't just about that race, but it was about everything. It was my country, it was my people, it was the sacrifices. it was because I came from a middle class family, you know all of it was led up to that moment. And yet to hear the national anthem played as a Filipino, you know it's one thing to hear the anthem play, but it's another to hear it being played because of you, yeah. because of your actions, because of their hard work. And yeah, it's a surreal moment. Like when it happened, I was like crying, I was just like I just didn't know how to react.
0: You're an inspiration. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Bianca Bustamante, who is F1 Academy driver for Prema Racing. Thank you again.
1: Thank you so much.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O audio at the App Store and Google Play.